0: Montreal, around the world,
1: the Jeremy White podcast,
0: with Bustan, for the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, it's got to be Bustan, visit bustan.ca,
1: now The Jeremy White Podcast.
0: All right, welcome to episode number 12 of the Jeremy White Podcast, brought to you by Bustan, the best Lebanese cuisine in the Montreal area. Seriously, the best chicken shawarma you've ever had in your life. And there's garlic potatoes. The garlic potatoes, so damn good. Visit bustan.ca if you're in the Montreal area. Leading up to the holidays, you're probably looking for something for that special someone in your life, the rock band, the music band. Well, loudtracks.com has everything you need, When it comes to your rock, metal, music t-shirts, and merch. That's right. T-shirts from all the biggest bands that you know and love. All, by the way, officially licensed. Official merchandise. No bootlegs. All 1,000% legit. And LoudTracks.com is going to be producing Jeremy White podcast t-shirts very soon. So LoudTracks.com, big shout out to Nick. Go check them out. And uh, great stocking stuff for this holiday season. You want to get yourself a Metallica shirt or kiss or whatever it may be. LoudTracks.com, that's LoudTracks.com, L O U D. T R A X dot com and uh, rock Taco Mitchell Fawn t shirts are available up there as well. I'm very excited to have on the podcast this week David Ellefson of Megadeth and Tom Hazard. They've got a brand new album out, The Ellefson Project. It's called No Cover. I caught up with those guys uh, back in late August, early September. The album was originally supposed to come out at that time, like, uh, yeah, like early October or something like that. So we caught up. And I chatted with Dave about all kinds of great stuff, man. We talked to him about working with... Dan Huff, and he tells some cool mutt lang stories because Dan was like one of the big session guys, right? Like he played on Shania Twain's "Come On Over" and uh, White Snake in '87, and all the all. He's one of the most legendary session guitar players of all time. So uh, talk to Dave about that, and then Tom joins us uh, midway through the conversation. We were having technical difficulties that day for some reason. My webcam wasn't working properly. So if you watch the actual video interview on my YouTube channel, by the way, go and subscribe if you can. Uh, Jeremy White Show. You just go youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show and it'll uh shows up there but uh yeah for some reason my webcam wasn't working properly and the sound like didn't record it was like you know like early stages of the podcast and I thought I had everything worked out but this is also when I was just trying to figure out how to work zoom like everybody else so uh, it doesn't look all that amazing like the other podcast But you know It's it's the quality of the content It's it's the conversation That matters right So we're going to talk to them Make sure you pre-order Actually no it's available now That's the other thing So in the interview portion We do say that Oh it's coming out On October something Or early November And they didn't actually have A release date set in stone yet So any other date That you hear later on In the show It's incorrect because the album is now out. It came out on November 20th. It's called No Cover. David Ellefson. That's right, Ellefson. And they do all kinds of really great covers on this album. And we talked to David about why he chose those songs and all that stuff. I want to give a very special shout-out to my mom. Uh, yesterday was her birthday. The whole big 4-5, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. She's going to hate me for revealing that. She was like, I feel like my life is in shambles. No. You, come on. 45 is not that bad, right? I'm 26 years old. My mom's 45. How cool is that, right? Like how many people can say that, you know, they've partied and hung out and stuff with their mom and she just hangs out like she's one of the boys or one of the girls, right? Because, you know, she's not old. So stop thinking you're old if you're 45. You're not old. You might feel it. Popping a leave. You'll be okay. So shout out to my mom. She's also the reason I probably do this podcast because she's the one to introduce me to all the music that I love. Growing up listening to uh you know AC/DC and Van Halen and Def Leppard and uh, hearing all the show, she she, <laughs> she also really like all like the dance music, right? So the CC Peniston and the Technotronic and uh pump up the jam, pump it up, like all that. So that's really where my love of music stems from. So uh, my mom is the reason I'm here in a lot more ways than one. So, I love you. Uh, yes, yeah, so last Thursday, I posted something pretty personal on my uh, social medias. If you follow me on Instagram, Jeremy MTL, or on Twitter, Jeremy MTL, I posted this uh, photo of my grandmother, my dudama, Grace. And, um, well, first of all, Thursday was stage four pancre... It was World Pancreatic Cancer Day, and my dudama is suffering from stage four pancreatic cancer. Um. You know, she's a born and raised Mohawk from Kahnawake, first language speaker, overall badass. She grew up on a farm with literally nothing like the definition of no pot to piss in. That was her and her seven siblings and her family growing up on the farm. They had nothing. And it's a real proper, you know, rags to riches success, you know, living the dream kind of story of how she got to where she is and everything. And uh, I'm actually going to be doing an interview with her. Very soon, just to talk about her life story because I still have that ability to talk to her and really, really get to know her and have that documented. Not a lot of people do that. And I have the resources to, you know, I got my cameras, I got my mics and everything. So I want to do that. And so I just want to talk to you about this for a second because we lost my mom, Betty, to what was essentially terminal cancer about two and a half years ago. No, no, it's less than that. It's maybe like, yeah, almost, you know, like two years now. And uh, she was extremely stubborn. She didn't think that cancer would ever affect her. Nah, nah, I'm fine. You know, I'm going to drink my wine and eat my steak, and I'll be good. And uh, she was one of those cases where she just didn't want to even bother going get checked because she was afraid of the news. <laughs> Worst obviously happened. She had um, basically what was terminal cancer at that point. She went through so many different surgeries. They gutted her like a fish trying to save her, and it just got to the point where it was there was no going back. And we ended up losing my uncle Brandon this year to colorectal cancer. We buried him in uh, you know late July through this pandemic, which is awful. Um, he, towards the end of his life, really fought for bringing awareness to early detection. And you know colorectal cancer in men really is a silent assassin. It doesn't pop up until you start having some symptoms and then boom. And if you don't get checked, well, then you're never really going to know, right? You might have early symptoms and you don't know and uh, then it's too late. And in a lot of the cases, colorectal cancer is treatable. So, towards the end of his life, he really fought for early detection and bring awareness to it. So, guys and gals, you know, listening, don't be afraid to go get checked. And that's exactly what my ma did. Um, you know, through this pandemic, you see all the stories out there saying, oh, millions of people have gone undiagnosed with cancer because of pandemic and, uh, you know, cancer units being shut down and everything. That's legitimately the case, uh, you know, in, in this situation. Um, uh, so... Basically, just to give you the gist, um, you know, she's been feeling off for the last little while, and you know, she'd, sp- she'd speak to the doctor about it. The usual response was, "Here, take this pill. It's probably just indigestion. Oh, you got Harper and whatever. They put her on another medication, but not actually sending her for deeper analysis or you know, like proper scans. And that doctor recently retired, so she was left with a new family doctor here in our town, and she didn't feel all that confident because that doctor basically had you know the, the same kind of approach. So I took her to my private doctor, and she immediately sent her for a scan. Now, what I'm trying to say is cancer doesn't magically appear. Like, it it takes time and develops over a period. So, you know, if it's caught early in most cases, it can be treated. But unfortunately, the results of the scan just weren't what we were hoping for. And so she's got stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and it's also spread to her liver, which is just so unfortunate. It, It sucks. You know, I mean... We know we know what we're in for. We know what's ahead, but she's in great spirits. You know, she's kind of accepted it. You know, she's living her life like everything's cool uh, right now. She's physically fine. She's still doing her thing and everything, getting up and having her breakfast and going for rides around town with my grandfather. And um, he's another one had cancer. Oh God, cancer, man. Ah, uh, anyway, so. Last Thursday we were thinking about everyone we've lost to cancer and who are suffering from this awful disease and the family's there to comfort their loved ones and watching them slowly fade away. You know, I see it, I feel it and experience it every single day and it's not nice. So, if you're suffering from cancer or if you're taking care of somebody that's currently battling, I'm with you, man. It fucking sucks. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So between that and uh, everything else that's going on, um, I'm kind of living in like a state of dysphoria. My my psychotherapist says I need to calm down. I need to take it easy. So (laughs) I know we're doing the podcast once a week, and it's a little bit of a release, which is great, and it's a lot of fun. So that's a little bit of a, like I said, it's a nice escape to kind of get away from reality for a little bit, you know, once a week and just talk to you guys about whatever's going on in the life and uh, times of rock and roll and what's happening with these bands. Have you checked out Wolfgang Van Halen's new music yet, by the way? Mitch LaFawn and I, we talked about that last week on the show, and uh, we had a really nice conversation. You know, Mitch and I are really good friends. Like, we're best buds, and... Uh, You know, not like in like the showbiz kind of thing. Like, you know, we really are great friends. You know, we play each other's stuff on socials and everything like all that. It's like a genuine, you know, affection for each other. Yeah. So he was on the show and we were talking about all things Van Halen and everything. So if you missed that last week on the show, I also got the Zoom video of that on demand on my YouTube channel. So go subscribe. I just passed 500 subscribers. And by the way, in case you're wondering... The only way to make money on YouTube is if you have a 1,000 subscribers. Then you can then monetize your YouTube account. But until then, I'm not making diddly squat on this thing. So if you can and you're listening to this, go and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's super simple. YouTube.com slash Jeremy Whiteshow. And actually in the link in my bio, there's the link tree. How you can listen to the podcast And it gives you the options for iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, YouTube You click on that link tree in my bio On Twitter or Instagram Click it and then you select YouTube And it brings you right to my channel And then you just have to push subscribe So go and do that, All right, Let's get right over to David Ellison. We're talking about the new album, no cover uh, And it's great, I mean the album's fantastic It came out on Friday, no cover, Ellison, The artwork is awesome Nice homage to On Through the Night With Def Leppard and it was a great conversation. So check that out. All right. We'll be back right after these words. The Jeremy White Podcast. The Jeremy White
1: Podcast. Podcast.
0: All right. Welcome back to the show. Make sure you go follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Jeremy White MTL, and subscribe on my YouTube channel to see the video version of this interview we got with David Ellison of Mega that chat. his brand new album called No Cover. It's available now. It came out on November 20th. There's also some great VIP limited edition like bundles you can buy to get the music on our website, so go check that out. The album was supposed to come out originally in October, which you'll hear us mention in the interview, but totally disregard that, okay? The album is out now, all right? came out on November 20th, so it's available. All right, let's get right over to it. David Ellison of Megadeth. New album is called No Cover. Uh, does it have a release date yet? October
2: 2nd is what we are aiming at. Um... And of course, now we've got, you know, some international releases, Japan, you know, we're working out Europe and everything too. So, uh, you know, in this world we live in, you know, it all, everything kind of, hopefully it all comes together and works out on the same date. But, you know, everybody wants to release before the next guy. So we've said October 2nd is the date for us.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, uh, October 2nd is a good day. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and the idea was, is we originally had an, an Ellison solo record of of original material uh, that we were going to put out. And what we decided is it's like, look, if to put that out now and then not be able to tour and support it, it'll just go away. You know, it'll just kind of fall between the cracks. So we thought this cover thing would be fun. And I'll be honest with you, we didn't think that it was going to turn into like a double album, four side (laughs) vinyl. Yeah, it turned out to be a lot more, but it's great. I mean, we ended up, I was sitting, you start digging into your record collection. You're like, Hey, what about this one? Hey, what about that one? You know, it
0: all worked out. That makes total sense so the um so this one's gonna be all cover so i like by the so first of all i like the title of the album no cover is that uh-huh. kind of like an homage like as if like i'm going to a bar or something and there's totally. no cover charge
2: it's exactly what especially in this day and age hey no cover come on in you know we're just right. glad to be open come on in <laughs> yeah.
0: well that's the thing you know through this pandemic it's like uh all, all the bars and stuff where a lot of bands would usually kind of start out at or you know yeah. they're slowly declining and they start playing at again It's
2: exactly exactly it. We we need to see if any of
0: them are still around once this whole thing is done.
2: I know a lot of places, you know, they say they're not going to be able to keep their doors open, you know? So, yeah, I mean, look, for us, we at least need to keep it as fan friendly as we can, you know? So, because we're all in it together, you know, none of us can go away. We all got to, we all got to, you know, all boats rise, as they say, you know. Well,
0: that's it. So with this album, how did you come up with the track listing? Are you going back to like your teen years when you were first getting into bands and you first started playing? You're like, these are the songs that got me into music. I want to record them, do my own versions.
2: It's exactly what it is. And I mean, you know, I, I had just come home from Nashville. So this was early June. I just laid down the, the, the ba- we'd done the bass and drum tracks, the basic tracks for the Megadeth album. Uh, with the Ellison solo band, we had just put out the Post Malone track, Over Now. We had a song called Simple Truth that we had put out in April. And, you know, we were aiming towards, again, this, uh, this Ellipson uh, record that would be these original songs. So, we, you know, are, are, we're, we're pretty deep in recording and writing and everything. But, uh, you know, when I came home from Nashville in June, it, you know, the reality hit me and Thomas is just like, look, it, it makes no sense to put out this record that we've been working so hard on, a, this original material. There's a record of original material. It requires certain, a certain setup. There's kind of yeah. some nuances because these are new songs and people have never heard them. So you know, there's there, there's, there, there's a timeline of how long it sort of takes to push it out and. Get it in people's ears and you know thank you for your support to us with doing that with radio
0: yeah um, well you know mitch was the one that sent me he's like dude he's you got to check out this cover and he, uh, so i listen yeah. i'm like this is insane like yeah. how did you so first of all out of all the post malone tracks like i was like how come not better now how come not congratulations like why is that post malone song i think over now
2: spoke to tom's life <laughs> i think it spoke to his <laughs> it's good for his uh I think it's good for his romantic aptitude, you know, so I think it worked for him. You know, it's funny cause you brought it up to me last year we were on tour and you know, of course, Post Malone's big in my house. My wife, my daughter listened yeah. to it. And um, so Are you super familiar with him or do you, I, do you I know, I, know, the know I, I am, I yeah. am, I, I am, you know, in fact, Tom called me, it was earlier last year um, in 2019. That's we said this dude. There's this guy, man, he's on the charts. He's got like more songs in the chart at one time than the Beatles did. He's got more number ones, you know, all this stuff. And, 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 and he's dude, he's got, he's got a Megadeth tattoo on his elbow and I'm like, wow, really? No kidding. So that, that's what kind of got me into it. And, and, you know, I gotta be honest with you, my kids keep my ear hip, you know, my son's into like really old, like classic rock stuff, uh, which I love because as a dude, we get, we get dude rock time, you know? And my (laughs) daughter, of course, she's into like kind of more hipper uh like what's happening today kind of music so i I get both sides of the of the of the you know the spectrum there and of course post the first thing i noticed when i really started to get into it is that he's just got a great sound you know and 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 a leader of a of a sound and i and i always say man as an artist if you can create a sound that is probably the hardest thing to really create because it, it defines you it defines you not only now but forever Um, whether it's Kenny G, Post Malone, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, whoever, as soon as you hear it, you go, Oh my God, that's them. That, that is, it sounds so easy, but it, it, it's, it's a really challenging thing to do. And Post has that. So, and I like, I like his It's like I said, it's kind of like a modern day Barry White, you know? (laughs) <laughs> um, but dropping a lot of f bombs, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, and smoking a lot more weed, and yeah.
2: yeah. But but he's got this soothing, calming sound, and and which is very, especially for I think probably a millennial generation, which is all kind of TikTok and point and click and this very kind of short attention span, sort of you know lifestyle that 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 they have. I found Post's music to be very calming, you know, in that yeah. in that in that age group, and it, it I don't know it appealed to me. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to songs like Congratulations, and then you listen to Better Now or, you know, yeah. right now one of the biggest songs that we play on a radio station is Circles. And the crazy thing is that, you know, from the fans that know him from, you know, the hip-hop kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden, he's got, you could play that song just on acoustic guitar. Right. Run away right. while we're running circles. Like, it could be like a campfire song.
2: Yes, exactly. And, and you know, again, obviously to collaborate with Ozzy, Look, he's, he's a rocker, you know? And now yeah. we've gotten to you know, Tom and I have become, you know, friends with Post and with his dad. Um, and his dad is my age, so got, got Post into, you know, all the Excite. metals, the Metallica and Pantera Megadeth and all this stuff, you know? And, and Post is, you know, he's a good guitar player. He's got real
0: chops. He, well, he know, did he's, that live stream on YouTube not too long ago where they just yeah. covered Total Nirvana. And I'm like, holy yeah, shit, right. like, this guy's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love that, you know? And I love the, the
2: diversity, you know? It's funny, in this day and age, it's and especially I think in that age group and, and what everything that's going on around it um, in, in, in the music business is it's hard to just really kind of stay in one path. And the fact that Post is, is he pivots very quickly. He, he's able to say, I'm into this, I'm into Nirvana, I'm into this, I'm into metal. And, and his fans will follow that, you know, I, yeah. the genre and the generation I grew up in, they would not, support that you know it's like if you said you were anything (laughs) but metal it's like you were crucified at the stake you know so well it's funny because i I like it
0: i was just on twitter literally yesterday and i I posted this tweet and i said what if i told you that you're allowed to like more than one genre of music and you don't have to be a prick to people that are (laughs) no way really Yeah. yeah i put that up there and people are like i totally agree you know i can go from abba to zappa and i like it all yeah
2: you know you're alone, oh, and, and even and in, uh, in of course my generation growing up, you know, you know this these some fans made this decision, but to Megadeth or Metallica, it's like why not both? I have both in my record yeah. collection, and I'm in one of the bands. You know, <laughs> so so it's I know it is a lot of times people would ask, they go, you know, what what is the one record we wouldn't expect you to listen to? You know, and it and you know it could be anything from a. You know a christian record to a hip-hop record to a country record you know to all kinds of stuff you know i was like the garth brooks channel sometimes on sirius radio i've been driving back and forth to california a bit over the oh, summer great catalog and, yeah and, and and really i mean it, it's 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 funny in phoenix where i live you know there's a couple of really big tastemaker country stations and in the late 90s megadeth started going down to nashville to make some records and so yeah. that was the beginning of the whole alan jackson garth brooks schneid's that yeah. whole forward-thinking country thing and uh, our producer, Dan Huff. Well, uh, I wanted to ask you ch- about that. Work, records, you know? I wanted
0: to ask you about working with Dan Huff on Risk because yeah. that guy played on Shania Twain's Come On Over. And it's yeah. the biggest selling album from a, a female artist of all time. And the guitar links mm-hmm. that he's playing on there, but also he was one of the biggest session guys ever from the, from totally. the stuff in the 80s yeah. and playing with Giant. You know, what was it like going from being in Megadeth and writing mm-hmm. these Megadeth songs to going into right. the studio and working with somebody like Dan Huff who comes from, a session background where he basically plays everything does that open up right. the gates to just instant creativity oh for sure i mean the first so we did two records with him we did cryptic
2: writings and we cut that that record in 96 right and and then we did the risk album which which was kind of about half written in the studio uh we did that in 1999 and and i think with the cryptic writings record because we went into it with a full arsenal of songs you know we had 16 songs written we narrowed it down to the 11 for the record another bonus track or two so we really had the material done when we got there so i, I in my opinion that record probably processed better in the in during the, the the recording process but there's one song on there the disintegrators like we were playing it over at the rehearsal hall before we went to the studio and dan was laughing his head off he couldn't stop laughing <laughs> because oh my god man y'all that man dang y'all that, that that's a one hell of a guitar brick right there and we were like. You realize that's going on the record. He's like, "Oh no way, man!" You know, and Dad's so sweet with his Southern accent. Yeah. And, and but you know, so it was fun that because you know, we looked up to him obviously as this amazing guitar player, and right. um, The fact that he was looking at us, going, "Man, you guys are you know, you guys are freaking amazing!" And 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 it was it was a time because you know metal wasn't recording in Nashville at that time, so it was no. a moment where. I think we earned the respect of Nashville, you know, and they welcomed us in. The fact that we're working with Dan Huff, they immediately went, look, if Dan's working with this band, this band Megadeth, you know, yeah. this, these, these thrashers, <laughs> you know. If, <laughs> these working, if, if These rock and roll folk. These rock and rollers. If, if he's working with them, then it must be good. And so it, it was a great way to come into town um, and 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 earn respect to win over respect. Um, because let's face it, if you're in Nashville and you're making records, you can play, you know.
0: So Well, that's it. But, and, you know. you know, to be fair, I think Mutt Lang kind of opened up the door for other rockers yeah. to come into Nashville as well because, you know, with this work that he yeah. did on The Woman and Me, and I think that's where oh, no, Dan had worked with Mutt on uh, Come On Over first. I don't think he played on The Woman and yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, did did Dan what, ever, guess, ever talk about Mutt Lang and his experience with sure. Mutt? Or,
2: yeah. I mean, especially me and Marty Friedman, we were like, you know, what what was it like working with him? And he just said, man, he was so – he, he said he'd walk around the studio with an acoustic guitar like singing Everly Brothers songs. So like Mutt is a real music guy, he's a real song guy. Um, and he just said, you know, his attention to detail in his ear was so incredible. Because there, there are times, you know, when you're recording these records, you know, where you're trying to get a part just right. And they're like, ah, oh, it's a little head, a little behind, try one more time put a little more attitude on it. No, don't hit the string so hard. You know, so you'll do a part sometimes eight, nine, 10 times to get it just perfect, right? <laughs> and, and, and we were like, okay, Dan, what was this like working with Matt Lang? It's like, he's like the Uber version of this. And he goes, man, he goes, some days I'd just pick a point on the wall and just stare at it and just play the leg <laughs> over and over and over again until I got it right. But you right. Know, I, I had a conversation with Elliot Easton who, uh, from the cars um, and he had they, you know, they had done a, a record, yeah, uh, at least one City. record. Yeah, yeah. And I asked him what it was, what it was like to work with, with Mutt, And he, he he really said it great. He said, he goes, man, Mutt got me right down inside of the hi-hat. Like he really tightened up my playing. And, wow. and I know what he means. Like as far as real, cause Dan Huff did that, I think for me. And I think for Megadeth too, he got us really playing behind the beat. Got our real attention to groove, you know, cause Dan would tell these stories about how he'd been asked to join Whitesnake, but he, he passed it up because he was already making a great living making records and he didn't really want to be on the road. That's why Giant went away, his band Giant that he had. Right. Because he didn't really he didn't really want to he just said he goes, Man, I just knew being a rock star wasn't for me. You know, I, I grew up in my bedroom playing guitar, listening to the snare drum, and he just said, Man, I knew I was a, I was a studio guy. You know, that was my calling in life. So Yeah. You know, God bless him that he yeah, he was decisive and he knew his path in life.
0: And it worked out. I mean, at the end of the day, geez, he was a yeah. fucking legend. <laughs> I'd you know? say, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I just say. noticed Tom, Uh, Tom joined. I'm going to let him in here. Hold on a second. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It just popped up on my screen. I wonder if he was able to hear us the whole time or not. <laughs> he's just sitting there know. in the queue and
2: sitting in the know. queue. Let's bring him there in and see go. what he's doing. Tom, you there? He was oh, just following touched. me. I don't know if he's yeah connecting to audio. It says, is that what it says? Yeah. You know, that was always technical challenges here. Yeah. So
1: yeah. it happens.
0: Yeah all right well tom's here now so i guess we could talk about uh no cover more in depth we can we can uh by Wait, the way how, well, how
1: the hell are you doing man like what's going on with your health are you all right i'm awesome how are yeah? you I, right. I just made I, I just finished a record with 19 songs on it i mean i'd say i'm pretty damn good
0: well dude <laughs> i'd be going to cardiac arrest too if i was having to cut 19 songs and how, how many days
1: did you do it <laughs> i don't know not not many i think collectively I went back to the studio three times. I think collectively it was like five days, maybe. Uh, Not even four or five days. uh, It was was pretty marathon. It was funny because when we were doing it, like I'd be at my hotel the night before I had to go in the studio and me and David would talk. Be like, oh my God, David would come and go, we should do this song. Then Andy would map it out. and The next day I'd be tracking vocals for it. So it was a pretty whirlwind experience for sure.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of fast turnaround. How long did it take for the entire record, like, from start to finish? Because, Dave, you were saying that, you know, you kind of had the idea of this and then that, and then yeah. it turned into this covers album.
2: You know, well, uh, the conversation that Tom and I had, I had just gotten home from Nashville there. That was early June. And then we just we we, we just started the conversation. And, and, and it was like, you know, let's do some covers. And and we, I don't know, I think we probably came up with a half a dozen of them pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, we 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 didn't go for, like... You know, let's just kind of do Judas Breeze Breaking the Law and Kiss Cold Gin and, you know, what I call the bar standards, right? Which we've all played a million times and they're awesome songs. Yeah. But we wanted this record to have depth. We wanted it to reflect me and Tom's upbringing and the music and the songs that, that we were raised on. And as we started calling in our friends, like Doro, of course, we got her to sing on Sheer Heart Attack as well as Love Me Like a Reptile by Motorhead. And she was good friends with Lemmy. And. Yeah. So she loved that we weren't doing, you know, just Ace of Spades or probably one of the more typical Motorhead songs, We were going for a deep album cut. And me and my friend, Greg Handavit, who I grew up with in high school, we used to play that song in our, in our, you know, teenage bands back in Minnesota. So I called him and said, hey, do you wanna sing and play on a song with Doro and Tom on a Motorhead track? You know, revisit something from our, when we were 15. And uh, so, you know, a lot of this was, first of all, it was about great songs. It was equally as much about great friendships with everybody who participated on this thing. And, you know, getting some new guys in like Brandon from Crowbot and, um, you know, collaborating with some of those people. But Jason McMaster, who's been a longtime friend with Tom, a big Megadeth fan, and um, Charlie Benante, Dave McClain. Of course, we've got Dirk Burburn, who currently is in Megadeth. Right. Uh, with me to play on some stuff, so it's really and Bumblefoot is just I mean B- yeah. Bumblefoot is just he's a, he's a jukebox. You put a quarter yeah. in the guy and you just oh, yeah, no, you it's know. like it's hey play incredible.
1: play play this. I mean he he is he's, yeah. he's he's ridiculous. Like I've literally done that with him. I've just sat and been like okay play this and they go boo, 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 and he does. <laughs>
0: Guy goes, yeah. uh, that was the last concert I saw before the whole lockdown. Sons of Apollo in Montreal, and it was just crazy.
1: But yeah, though, So the funny thing to what we were just talking about is, you know, it's just a couple of these covers. Originally, we had the conversation of, you know, just recording some covers for fun to kind of use as Japanese B-sides and kind of just have <laughs> some extra stuff in the tank, you know. And like some of this, like the Billy Idol song. That conversation started last year when we were on tour in Italy. I literally remember me, Andy, and Paulo, our drummer sitting in front of our hotel in Italy going, man, we should do a Billy Idol song. And then we were going through the list, white wedding, whatever. And then we ended up doing Rebel Yell. So, you know, some of the initial conversation went back. And then, yeah, sometime in June, me and David got on a call and, I'm, and, and we were kind of figuring out our plans with the pandemic and sort of mapping out our next year with what we're doing and Megadeth. And we had a bunch of touring this year that, you know, Australia, Japan and Europe and some US stuff that all get kind of, but so we were kind of, you know recalibrating our plan and, and and we were both kind of god let's just do a cover record yeah that was in the middle of june and now september 1st is completely done mastered in manufacturing so yeah like two and a half months i think start to finish
0: that's not bad and i mean you know the fact that with the whole lockdown everybody's out there doing covers online everybody's I doing know. the isolation jams the fact that you're turning it into an actual album yeah. I think it's kind of smart business-wise <laughs>
1: Oh, we we just well, wanted to take it to the next level and we didn't want it to be just another quarantine jam. And again, I mean, look, if you think about the the time frame, me and David talk about this all the time. Like, imagine trying to make a record of this caliber twenty years ago with the the quality and I mean, literally, there's thirty guests on this thing. Al Jorgensen from Ministry, Charlie Benante, Frank and Troy from Tesla, Mark Slaughter, Jacob Bunton, who sings for Mick Mars in his solo band now. I mean, Russ Parrish from Steel Panther, Doro, Dirk, Dave McClain. I, I mean, there's so many amazing guests on this record and, and just the, how we recorded, I mean, again, like 20 years ago, it cost us $2 million to make this record,
2: you know? Because right. our, our, our heavy metal, We Are the World, without the $2 million.
1: Right? <laughs> well, that's it. you know, weren't you guys doing, like, a crowdfunding thing for the album, too? Is that still going on? Or It, it is. It ends in three days. We have an Indiegogo up with, you know, we have a couple of cool experiences. We have one that's called Roadie for a Day, where they can come and hang out with me and David at a show. Um, and a lot of it's just, like, there's some pre-orders. You can pre-order the record. There's a couple of special perks. Cool little sinister guitar picks made us some cool picks. You know, nice. with kind of some of that? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we have an Indiegogo and we're over halfway to our goal. And, you know, we've raised like, again, a, a pretty good chunk and done a bunch of pre-orders. And yeah, it ends in three days. You can find that on uh, on, on David's page. If you look at David's Facebook, I mean, there's a yeah, bunch of there. links to it and stuff yeah well let me ask you this you know, you're doing the crowdfunding thing so how do you go about getting these artists to
0: jump on the tracks with you like do you have to go and pay like russ from St- uh, steel panther and say hey here's a here what's your session rate come and hop on this album with us or is it you know, like a buddy thing is like a pro bono yeah, kind of we're, we're it was, friends it was, it was it, a bro it, thing
2: it, it is yeah it, it was a bro thing and you know and it's funny there you know there's certain people and, and no one here is obviously here to take advantage of anything. You know, a couple people did ask. We said, look, we got a lot of heavy lifting because we got some manufacturing costs and promo and stuff. I said, look, if, if they're after you have am real I'm glad to. I'm glad to share the yeah. wealth with you. But it really, yeah. like you yeah. see with the, with the Indiegogo, it's very DIY. I mean, we, we are approaching yeah. this not as yeah. like a bunch of famous rock stars walking yeah. around at you know, Warner Brothers with a big, you know, big fat check, but this is just a real DIY thing. Yeah. Um, and everybody, everything's closed down. So it really, it really is, a, a just a goodwill and a good friend thing. And quite honestly, everybody was so gracious to just, just wanted to just play on something, you know, to yeah. just go do something. Cause everybody's at home and their tours are canceled and you know, it's better every day. I think we can have our guitars in our hands and be playing and singing is, is better than not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other killer that people don't really think about on a record like this, we have to license all of these songs. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's all basically a five-figure endeavor just to license all these songs. So, again, it's not a big – yeah, look, some of the guys, we paid their engineers a little bit to track it. But, again, it was really just us kind of hitting up our friends and going, dude, do you want to play on this? And it was really just a fun, cool yeah. – nobody was really about money. We didn't really do it for money. I mean, again, it's like – you know, it'd be a miracle if we make back what we spent, you know, between the manufacturing <laughs> and everything else, you know? No, totally. I mean,
0: that totally makes sense to me. So, hey, that's awesome. So these songs, you know, talking about licensing the songs, Uh, is that a, was that a big process? Like, did you have to, or was it?
1: No, there's actually a company called Easy Song Licensing that are amazing that I use. I used to do it all originally just through the Harry Fox agency directly. And then I had one that I couldn't get through there. So I discovered this great company called Easy Song Licensing, mm. giving away a trade secret. And, and yeah, look, I mean, it was a delight. It was super easy. They kind of do all the heavy lifting and yeah, right. it was great. And, and then they actually have people you can call. I literally going to talk a couple of times during this process where I called them and they explained certain licensing things to me and certain rights things. And yeah, they're a great con. So no, it really was, you know, thanks to them, it was really, it's really an easy turnkey process. It's just expensive, you know what I mean? Like every song is average, you know, three to $700 per song and there's 19 songs on the record. So do the math, you know? Well, that did. Hey, uh, just to go back to the little land conversation we had, Dave,
0: you know, yeah. you guys ended up covering Wasted by Def Leopard. Why not a Pyromania song? Why not a Hysteria song? You
2: know, it's interesting. So first of all, I, I, when I was living in Minnesota and my band um, and my friend, Greg Hanovich, who's on the Motorhead track with me, um, with us, he, that, our drummer walked in the door. There, was, there were several records right around that time, Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath, uh, Scorpion's Love Drive, and that Def Leopard record. Walked in the door of the rehearsal room, and our drummer was so excited because he said, "He goes, dude, these guys are like teenagers." In fact, I think Rick Allen, the drummer, is only sixteen. And and <laughs> I got to be honest with you, that record made everything that I then was able to do in my professional career seem like it was within reach of me because they were really young. They made this great metal record, um, and and you know it, that, that to me was the downbeat of that, and it's still to this day is my favorite Def Leopard record, and. Um, you know, of course I love high and dry. You know, here's the funny thing. When I moved to LA in nineteen eighty three and then I meet Dave and we start Megadeth a few weeks later, you know, I I first of all, I became very poor, very quickly. Right? <laughs> so I, 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 grew, I grew up pretty comfortable, you know, in the farming right. community, I realized how good I had it. And i was like, like Oh shit, I'm on my own. Thing. I got bills now. Oh my God. And I, and I never called home for money, man. I mean, I could have, my dad said like, and I said, no, I gotta, I gotta learn how to make this work on my own. I got it. This is grow up time. And you know, so I immediately moved to Hollywood and, and I forgo going to musicians Institute. I meet Dave, we start Megadeth, and straight <laughs> into destitute homeless poverty. <laughs> literally for like three or four years, almost five years. And, um, and you know, I, I quit buying records. I, I, and I heard, but quite honestly, LA radio was so good with KLOS and KMET and they had these great metal hours, you know, midnight Samantha Fox where They have this metal hour that they would play. I remember hearing, you know, Queen of the Reich by Reich, the new warrior nice. album. We eventually got mechanics and love to death by
0: Megadeth on that. And um, and, and also it, pop, top radio at the time was freaking awesome too, because you had bands like happy. Billy Idol and yeah. you, know, you actually had guitars yeah. in the top 40, whereas today yep. it's just all electronic dance. Oh, yeah. So by the time, so Pyromania was coming out,
2: um, probably Maiden, you know, peace of mind had just come out and that was the first Maiden record I didn't buy. Um, you know, so I'm kind of a Maiden guy up through Number of the Beast. Um, of course I love records after that and we toured with them. So, you know, I paid attention of course, but like yeah. the fast weight, the fast weight track was all, all over radio. Um, you know, wasp, uh, had just gotten signed to Capitol records, Rod Smallwood managing Iron Maiden was just starting to manage them. So, you know, I became much more of a, of a guy on the inside of the industry you know, being on the inside then at that point. And I became less of sort of the fan on the outside buying the records and it, and it you yeah. know, so it changed It changed my whole scope of everything. And so, you know, so again, by, I didn't buy Pyromania. I didn't buy Peace of Mind and Power Slave and, you know, and, and the deal records, <laughs> yeah. I didn't buy those, you know, I didn't buy those as a fan. I was now a professional You know writing my own songs and quite honestly you know dave and i we kind of lived in our own little bubble which i found very advantageous when you're starting a band especially one that would have its own voice its own signature sound and 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 was very focused on writing our material it you almost didn't want to be too out influenced by outside stuff yeah and we kind of almost needed a full you know the full lockdown you know to just really kind of almost insulate yourself from being too influenced by outside stuff
0: I mean, that makes total sense to me. At the end of the day, you didn't want a Megadeth record to sound like a photograph or something. Yeah, exactly. You you, at, at the yep. time, you know, I was just talking to Steve Stevens about this. He was my guest last week, and he was saying that how... I said to him how every record today basically sounds the same. Everyone's using the same plugins. Everyone's using the yep. same guitar, uh, guitar, virtual amps, the same drum plugins. Whereas, you know, back in the day, everybody had to kind of find... And he said it best. You had to find your voice through... Yep your instrument so whether that was your snare drum sounding like a cannonball, or it sounded yeah. like a phone book getting a wet phone book getting hit with a drumstick or right, you right. know your guitar sounding super processed with different effects it's like you needed you needed to create a sonic image where people heard and then they went and here's an
2: interesting take on that you know we made a couple of megadeth records with johnny Kay, and i'm a big fan of his production work especially stuff that he did with disturbed and then he went on and did some stuff with stained and pop evil of course but you know, he and I were talking about that, about it, where he began, and he and he said, he goes, look, I just had my Soundcraft mixer, I was making records on my little whatever sixteen-track, sixteen-channel board in my basement in Chicago. He became friends with the Disturbed guys, so they hired him to make the first couple of Disturbed records. And, um, you know, he said, he goes, the problem with a lot of the modern day guys is they're basically computer guys who make records in their computers. Yeah, He goes, 1, my, my, my generation, which of course I would be bad as well. Cause I bought and owned PA systems and learned how to mix and everything. You know, we really had, it was always about the, the music and the, and the gear was outside the box. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very different approach. And, and I completely agree with you. The two thousands, in my opinion, 2000s to modern day, a lot of these records, especially metal records, they were made very loud. They would just sort of splat the dynamics up against the wall. There just wasn't much left for dynamics. And on this particular record, it's funny you mentioned that because as we started mixing it, the first couple mixes came back and and I really wanted to define the Ellison band sound, number one, Mm. because we were already starting to develop it with Over Now and Simple Truth and yeah. Um, you know, and so it's this big, year we,
0: big production. It sounds, incredible it is, it, it, it is
2: big production and we want real breath to the drums. We want real, and these are real drummers. These are some of the best drummers in the rock and metal genre playing on this no cover record. And, and I don't want to just make everything sound generic, lock it to the grid and splat it against the wall. Yeah. I want Dave Lombardo to breathe. I want Charlie Benantes, the dynamics of how he plays so well with himself inside the kit. I want you to hear that, you know, that, um, because there's a, there's a dynamic there and, and I don't want that to get lost. And I think it really, you know, our, our, friends from dead by Wednesday brought in the track, the crocus song, eat the rich. And that was the one song that we had to work a little bit with to make sure that it fit in with the dynamic. And I had yeah. a conversation with them about it and they immediately got it. They said, listen, we're not drop tuning this stuff. We're not trying yeah. to out metal <laughs> the next guy. I yeah. said, this, we're we're, yeah. we're, we're, this is a record that is staying very true to the original compositions because yeah. a lot of these guys randy bachman brian may these guys are buddies of mine like i know them i've performed with ah. them i've become professional friends with them so when they hear these records these songs i don't want them to discount it like ah what a bunch of blokes just destroying our songs yeah. like you know Brian may going
0: like bloody hell what the yeah. fuck was yeah. that man I, I remember yeah.
2: johnny Rotten. i remember johnny rotten said that when we covered when megadeth covered anarchy in the uk and we had Steve Jones playing on it, like a real sex pistol playing yeah. on the track. And I remember Johnny kind of made some comment where he kind of discounted it. And I think it was because we didn't sing the lyric exactly the way he sang. We changed yeah. a couple words and he sort of made some kind of off color remark. And I remember we were very bummed like, oh man, <laughs> like Johnny's a freaking hero, you know, and he didn't like it. Like, what's up? And, and right. you know, and, and, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's important, I think, on something like this that, that it rocks our world. But it, it look these authors because people have covered our songs they've covered yep. Megadeth songs and we've watched a lot of people do playthroughs of simple truth and you know you, you sit back as, as the composer and the author of these songs and you and you watch people play them and you and, and for me what I first go to is okay you played the notes right that's fine but did you really grasp the the narrative of of what it is. Did you really get inside the song? Because that's a whole other level of really understanding yeah. the yeah. heart center of of yeah. of a track. You know, and I think that's what we tried to do with Over Now. Is it was just oh, let's just put some metal guitars on it and we'll just yeah, metal, let's metal we'll the fucker yeah. up. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. We, we were I hate guys that are though. like that. By the
0: way, like the yeah. like the super yeah. like you know. Like straightforward, just metal, metal. Oh, you listen to Shy Twain, oh, it's fucking gay, bro. Like what's wrong <laughs> you? You know, like know. the super broy bro kind of like, I refer to them as bro metal guys because they're just <laughs> so stuck up, like stuck in their ways. Anything <laughs> yeah. outside of metal, it's just wrong. Yeah. You can't do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think on this whole record, we really paid attention to that. And 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 it was very important that the notes be played right. Um and and, and it was fun for me, you know, to really I kind of I kind of assumed that role. Um, Tom certainly did on the vocal side and I did on the musical side, yeah. you know, to really make sure we were keeping the yeah. the real heart center of these songs intact.
1: In, in yeah. yeah, and we were really in a great sync. Again, you know, the, the Dead by Wednesday guys brought in a version of Eat the Rich that was super down tuned and low and modern. We're like, no, did we? And then now it sounds like Britney Fox. It sounds amazing. It's like just this total ripping '80s metal. Like, it's funny okay. now. Now it is one of the more '80s metal traditional sounding songs on the record. It rules. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and back to and back to what you're saying about Def Leppard. It's funny because me and David are about ten years apart in age, so I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. But I love all the records. But to me, it was Pyromania and Hysteria. But you know, when we we, we came to let's do a Def Leppard song. Of course, we wanted to pay homage to kind of the new wave of British heavy metal era Def Leppard that, you know, they just started playing Wasted kind of semi-recently, you know, they never really played it or acknowledged it. And it was such a cool, heavy song. You look, I was even the cover of the album is a very strong homage to that album and and that period. And, And again, it's just nothing but love and respect for them as a band. I mean, that me personally, as a musician and a singer and just a guy like, Def Leppard is one of my favorite bands. I, I, I mean, again, I'm super, you know, and I've worked with Phil and I'm, I'm friends with some of those guys and they're all lovely guys. So, again, it was, but, you know, Wasted just seemed like an obvious choice, man. I said, let's do a Def Leppard song and David said, let's do Wasted. That's a done. You know, that was pretty good. You know, much it's, it. it's
2: funny, funny having this conversation. I realized Tom started buying records right around the time I stopped saying, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. funny we can be. Funny we can be friends. We're not too bro, you know? Bro. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: exactly. exactly. I love the fact that you said that, you know, you wanted to do the arrangements of the original songs justice. Whereas, you know, I hear some bands do, do there's, a, there's a radio guy that I know and he always says, you know, oh, if a band's gonna do a cover, well, they should do their own version and they should make the song their own as opposed to just doing a full recreation of what the original recording was. But then I think, well, the reason they're doing a cover is because they're a fan yeah. of the original right. song right. and right. they yeah. want to perform that song. Why would they yeah. try and do yeah. something well, other than the song? And, and it's,
2: uh, See, it's interesting. In Megadeth, we would take that approach. Every time we did a version, we'd sort of speed it up, maybe add a little bit of, you know, Mustaine would add a little snottiness to it because that's yeah. his character. You know, you would yeah. want to Which hear is fine. you'd want to hear some Mustainisms in the yeah. track. That's that's sort of what made it And, and, made and th- it there's our definitely, own.
1: don't get me wrong, there's definitely some hazardisms in these tracks. And again, we did make them our own. It's funny because they sound like us. It sounds like me and David, as David was alluding to, kind of defining that Ellison sound. But I, I think a lot of these guys vocally were influences on me. So I can naturally just sing like me. And I kind of just naturally, you know, guys like Lemmy and and, and Mark Starachi from Crocus and, yeah. you know, a lot of these and, and, and obviously Blackie Lawless from Lost. They were Even Billy Idol, they were all big vocal influences on me, so they're all kind of right in my natural range. So I just kind of opened my mouth, and it sounds like them, but it's a little heavier, it's a little grittier, it's a little more, a little ballsier and modern, but it's still very, you know, traditional to the original arrangements of the songs and the feel, you know, which was kind of the key. That makes sense. Well, no cover. It's coming out on October 2nd. Yeah, we're still playing. We, you yeah, know, it's so funny. We actually just ended up doing, getting a bunch of deals to distribute the record around the world. So now they're asking us to push it. But we might push it back a couple of weeks, but whatever. Okay. If you pre-order, you're still going to get your pre-orders. But just the retail dates might vary sometime in that month around the world. But we're, okay. we'll are we make an announcement soon. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. So. Cool.
0: So it's gonna be on CD. You got cassettes. You got the double gatefold LP, or like yeah, uh, what kind of packaging? Yeah, we this? you
1: know we actually decided against the cassettes only because it was so long that we'd have <laughs> to do like three cassettes. But yeah, we have a double vinyl, a double CD. It's a great package. It's also going to come out in Japan and, and Europe and around the world. So you're going to
0: have some exclusive Japan tracks so I'm going to have to buy yeah. the import for. You, you,
1: you know, on this record, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, there's 19 songs or, you know, there's come on, one. Make it even number. Make it the 20th uh, <laughs> Japan exclusive. Oh, well, well, you know, maybe. maybe it. Uh, well, you know, the other funny thing we went through is originally I was like, well, we should put over now on here. There's actually another cover that we did for the real Allison record, that's an older song, but that one's totally a reimagining of it, you know? But uh. so again, we kind of left those off and those are going to stay on the real record. Again, just to kind of keep this laser focus, like I love Over yeah. Now and it made sense to put it on here, but then it kind of didn't, you know, it's heavier and it's different and it's kind of more modern. And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot but of- this
0: record is just sort of like the straight, straight, you know, stay true to the red, white, and blue fricking yeah. classic, classic songs that yeah, influence yeah. us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very much so, yep. Yeah, this one's the classic rock one for sure.
0: So it's going to be a little appetizer to what the main course is of the, the Ellison project here. Wait,
1: wait the Ellison record is amazing, man. Wait, till, wait. I mean, this is great and this is really fun and I'm excited about it. And David has said to me many times while making No Cover that this is one of the most fun records he's ever made, which is such really a huge is. honor to me. You know, but yeah. the, the real Ellison record, man, I mean, it's got, I mean, it's really, I think it's just going to be regarded as just a, a really great classic rock metal record i'm really really excited about batman
0: amazing well you guys have said it all we're running out of time but uh cool. i can't wait for this to come out and i'm, I'm just stoked it's gonna be it's gonna be freaking awesome well, good thank jeremy
2: thanks for your support brother we really appreciate it man thank yeah, you no
0: problem guys well uh you gotta pre-order it now no cover ellipson it's available uh just go to all your social medias and your website all it's all up there you can pre-order it on itunes too i guess
1: um, not yet. Not yet. Right, At not some point you'll
0: be able but to, but the best place to go was like the crowd. And... We,
1: we literally just finished the masters two days ago. Well, that's the other oh. thing too. That's the other reason we're kind of thinking about maybe pushing it back. Originally, as you know, I had a fucking heart attack in the middle of making this record. I was out of right. commission for <laughs> three weeks. You know what I mean? So again, it originally was going to be done earlier. And then just, you know, again, so we literally, we literally finished this record. We finished the mastering two days ago. You know what I mean? Like we literally just got the final masters. So, so again, that, that whole, my little health incident, you know, kind of just set it, just set everything back a few weeks. So that's why we're kind of the the other labels and the other territories in Japan and whatnot said, well, yeah. you know, could we maybe pull this back a couple of weeks? And, and I was just like, look, I set that October 2nd street date. Basically, when the week we started recording it, obviously, right. some you know we weren't going to have forty guests on it, and I wasn't going to have a cardiac arrest and be and get a pacemaker put in and be in the hospital for a couple of weeks. So, so we're playing with it. The other thing I want to mention: we have three shows next month with saliva and a killer's confession in Houston, Slidell, Louisiana, and San Antonio, Texas. You can find those dates all over and on David's pages and my pages. And so, if you want to come see us play some of this stuff live. We'll be playing over now in Simple Truth Live for the first time ever, which is exciting.
2: Nice. Yep. That's really so, cool. The yeah. Deluxe Heart Attack Edition.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, come, <laughs> come to
0: see if I live through it. It's like a gladiator. That should be on the posters, man. Right? <laughs> the yeah, Life the or Death Show. <laughs> like a gladiator
1: arena i know <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it all right boys well thanks a lot for taking some time to chat and uh we'll have to do this again when the uh, next album comes out uh, i'm looking forward to it thank Sounds you jeremy good. thanks so much man see you buddy all right, all right buddy have a great right. day Bye. yeah you too yeah. talk to you later, guys the jeremy white podcast Tuesdays at
1: 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available
0: wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Jeremy White Podcast.
0: With Bustan. For the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal. It's got to be Bustan. Visit boostan.ca. Watch the Jeremy White Podcast exclusively on YouTube.